this is Supriti from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 31st of May. India reported over 1,52,000 new coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours, taking the infection tally to over 2 crores 80 lakh. However, these figures are believed to be massive undercounts. As many as 3,128 fatalities pushed the country's death toll to 3,29,100. Globally, the coronavirus has now infected over 170.1 million people and killed more than 3.53 million. According to the Indian Express, the country's weekly positivity rate has come down to 8.83% from 12.20% last Monday. However, it is worth noting that the total number of tests conducted this time last week was over 23 lakhs, while only a little above 19 lakh tests were taken in the last 24 hours. In some comforting news, Indian Express reported today that after 47 days, less than 100 bodies were cremated or buried as per COVID protocol on Saturday. Based on data collected from the four municipal corporations in Delhi, which manage crematoriums and graveyards in the city, the last rites of 82 people, which include 79 cremations and three burials, were conducted. On Saturday, Nigambodh Ghat, the city's busiest cremation ground, which had seen 100 bodies during the peak, saw 10 bodies. However, according to the publication, the gap between COVID deaths as per the Delhi government's health bulletin and cremations conducted as per COVID protocol still remains. According to MCD data, cremation grounds saw 397 COVID cremations between May 26th to May 29th. The number of deaths, however, in the last four days, as per the Delhi government's bulletin, has been 508. Speaking to Indian Express, a senior Delhi government official said, and I quote, There have been small differences in figures, but the government has never indulged in hiding any data. There have been many instances where bodies of COVID patients from NCR towns have been cremated or buried in Delhi because of lack of space. The reverse is also true. We have been transparent and will continue being so. End quote. The last time less than 100 bodies were cremated or buried as per COVID protocol was over a month ago, on April 12th, when 77 bodies were received. India may soon begin testing the feasibility of a regimen that mixes two different COVID-19 vaccines to see if it helps boost immune response to the virus. According to Dr. N.K. Arora, chairman of the COVID-19 Working Group under the National Technical Advisory Group on Immunization, work is expected to begin in a few weeks. The tests may be carried out using vaccines that are currently available in the country, as well as those that are in the pipeline. Dr. Arora said that approximately eight vaccines may be mixed and matched as part of the process, which includes Serum Institute of India's Covishield, Bharat Biotech's Covaxin, and the Russian-made Sputnik V. Talking about the aim of the project, Dr. Arora said, and I quote, We are looking for a combination of vaccines that provide better protection. At the moment, the vaccines used are providing protection against severe disease but they are not providing protection from infection and transmission of the virus to the extent that we would have liked. End quote. 
The Supreme Court pointed out several flaws in the center's COVID vaccination policy today, which has been criticized for its differential pricing, shortage of doses, and lack of access from rural areas of the country. Referring to a discrepancy in vaccine supply for different age groups, the bench asked, and I quote, Your rationale was high mortality in 45-plus group, but in the second wave, this group is not seriously affected. It is 18 to 45. If the purpose is to procure vaccines, why should the centre procure only for above 45? End quote. It further asked the centre to explain the basis of its decision to bifurcate procurement of vaccines between private hospitals and states for the 18 to 44 age group, when the centre was alone procuring vaccines for everyone above the age of 45. NDTV reported that data from last week showed that nearly 50% of COVID cases between May 1st to 24th were from the 18 to 40 group. The centre is expected to respond within two weeks. The Delhi High Court today called the Central Vista an essential project of national importance, adding that the public is vitally interested in the project. The court further claimed that the public interest litigation to stop the project was motivated and fined the petitioners 1 lakh rupees. On May 17th, the judges had reserved their verdict after hearing both sides. A joint petition had been filed by Anya Malhotra, who works as a translator, and Sohail Hashmi, a historian and documentary filmmaker. They had argued that the Central Vista project was not an essential activity and can be put on hold in light of the pandemic. Solicitor General Tushar Mehta had called the petition a facade and a disguise to stall the project. However, the petitioners told the court that they were only interested in the safety of the workers at the site and citizens living in the area. News Laundry has covered the project consistently for over a year. Just this month, we have published three pieces about the project that aims to develop a stretch at the heart of Lutian's Delhi, built in the 1930s. The latest analysis is by Alpana Kishore, where she breaks down the intricacies that allowed the project to become a reality. It is titled, Bit by Bit, Trick by Trick, How Central Vista Became a Reality. We also have a video report where Meghnath gives us a glimpse of what the ground reality at the project actually looks like and an overview of the ongoing work. The video report is titled, Prohibited Zone, What's Wrong with Central Vista? The Supreme Court today decided to stay coercive action against two Telugu channels, TV5 News and ABN Andhra Jyoti, in the sedition allegations levelled against them by the Andhra Pradesh police. A bench comprising Justices D.Y. Chandrachud, L. Nageswara Rao and S. Ravindra Bhatt said, prima facie, the FIRs were an attempt to muzzle media freedom. Justice Chandrachud added that it was time to define the limits of sedition. In the order, the bench observed, and I quote, We are of the view that provisions of 124A and 153 of IPC require interpretation, particularly on the issue of the rights of press and free speech. End quote. The channels were charged in an FIR with sedition, allegedly for airing the comments of a rebel MP of Andhra Pradesh's ruling YSR Congress, Raghurama Krishna Raju. Mr. Raju had been very critical of his own government's handling of COVID. The news channels went to the Supreme Court, saying that the Andhra government had violated a recent court order that restrained governments from punishing citizens for flagging COVID-related grievances. 
Muzzling of the media in India is a worryingly common phenomenon, and the case I just mentioned is just one of several. It is a symptom of a larger issue that we need to recognize with urgency, which is our deteriorating democracy. It is not hyperbole when I say this, and the evidence to support this is overwhelming. An article by Abhinandan Sekri explains what we at News Laundry stand for and the role we play in strengthening journalism and thereby democracy by not having an editorial position as an organization. He writes, and I quote, We believe firmly in universal human values that are not up for debate, values that make us decent and civilized. But for anything not settled yet, having an organizational viewpoint isn't our style or we believe, good for journalism. We believe this is a better way of doing journalism than the one we inherited. End quote. So don't settle for the broken system you have inherited. Do your part in keeping the media in the country unmuzzled and support independent journalism. We believe that when the public pays, it can be served without fear or favor of the government or corporations. So join the News Laundry Army and fight to safeguard democracy. RSS Joint Publicity Chief Narendra Kumar has called media reports of corpses flowing through the Ganga and buried on its banks part of an agenda, though he did not elaborate upon what this agenda specifically was. In a virtual speech on the occasion of Maharishi Narad Jayanti, Kumar said, and I quote, Dead bodies in Ganga were also seen in 2015 and 2017. There was no COVID-19 pandemic then. So to connect them to COVID-19 now is clearly part of an agenda, end quote. He added that the media had done its job well during the pandemic, and while it was okay to point out problems in the system, he believes that it must be done at a proper time and with care, without creating panic. Last month, news organizations such as Dainik Bhaskar reported that over 2,000 bodies had been found floating down the Holy River or buried along its banks. Two men allegedly raped a woman in a Sansharadio district when she was on her way home from a hospital where her family was being treated for COVID-19. NDTV reported that the incident took place on May 27th. The woman, who belongs to the T-Tribe community, was returning home along with her daughter. They had both been discharged after testing negative for COVID-19. The daughter said, and I quote, When we tested negative, the hospital asked us to go home. We asked for an ambulance to return home, but they denied it. We were discharged from the hospital at 2.30 p.m. End quote. She added that they started walking home when two men chased them. She said, and I quote, We ran, but they caught my mother and took her away. I managed to run and informed the villagers. After two hours, my mother was found. End quote. India Today reported that the woman was admitted to the hospital but remains in a critical condition. The Assam T-Tribe Students Association called for the immediate arrest of the accused and alleged negligence on part of the hospital. China has announced that couples will be permitted to have up to three children in a major policy shift from the existing two-child limit. The Guardian reported that this comes after recent data showed a dramatic decline in births in the world's most populous country. Early this month, China reported the slowest population growth since the early 1960s. Despite scrapping its one-child policy in 2015, 
to encourage more births and stave off a looming demographic crisis. For almost four decades, China enforced a controversial one-child policy to halt a population explosion. In its place, a two-child limit policy was brought in, but it failed to result in a sustained surge in the number of births due to the high cost of raising children in Chinese cities. According to the publication, China is not alone in facing such a demographic challenge. Across East Asia, authorities have been scrambling for years to persuade couples to have more babies. South Korea and Japan have both used stipends to increase incentives for raising bigger families. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe and hold on during these trying times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Oh, 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 oh,